Hi there. We have a very fun show for you today, but we do say a handful of potty words. It's pretty tame, but if you're around kiddos, maybe listen with earphones or wait until later. Okay, that's it. Hey there. Welcome to the Impatient Entrepreneur Podcast, a show where we hear from entrepreneurs and business owners who are chomping at the bit to make their mark on the world. I'm your host, Lauren Quedar Cockrell. Now let's hurry up and get to the good stuff. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I have such a cool guest today. Uh, my first author is here today uh, to share an, a little bit about his new book with a fabulous title called Leader Shit. I can't wait to hear more about that from Jake Brown. Uh, Jake is also uh, in the story brand world with me as a, a business made simple coach. Uh, so he's, he's in the ecosystem with us guides. Uh, thank you so much for being here today. Can't wait for our conversation. Oh, you bet. Thanks, Lauren. Will you, uh, will you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your book and kind of let's let's get into that? Yeah, for sure. Um, so first off, I'm, uh, I'm married. I have four kids. So <laughs> a lot of my life has to do with playing and distracting things with play. Mm-hmm. That is just how I operate as an Enneagram 7. Love it. Um, it's how I keep four kids in orbit without draining my super introverted wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, my background I actually came up through marketing agencies. I've rebuilt two marketing agencies. Like I've gone on staff, helped them grow and build it. And um, then I got tired of that, like being in it and everything. So the last agency I was at, I actually worked on the agency and about 10, 15% of my time was worked on working on clients. And I fell in love with that, building the creative business and building the creators. Um, so since then I've stepped out and that's more of what I do is I work with creative businesses okay. Um, and it's been a lot of fun, um, one to be on my own, um, you know, to be, uh, to be my own boss, but at the same time, you know, that idea of, uh, a lack of accountability looks like freedom <laughs> until you fails. Um, so that, that's been a fun lesson to learn. Um, but as I made that exit and I was looking back, um, just started writing this book mm-hmm. and, uh, actually I just started having conversations with people that were a lot of them were stuck in a creative or, you know, they, they wanted to be creative, but they're stuck in a bad role or a bad boss mm-hmm. and just started having all those conversations and uh, just really just pulled uh, my resources, my, uh, those conversations together mm-hmm. and uh, became the book. <laughs> I love it. And, and when did you go out on your own? Um, I decided to go out on my own in 2020, right? <laughs> like, right when everybody's like, let's, let's be wise here. Uh, a wife and four kids in tow. And I was yeah. like, you know what would be great? No check. Let's try. <laughs> well, nothing was guaranteed that year or any year yeah. for that matter. So, well, and, and to be honest, to be fair, it was actually my wife's mm-hmm. um, at her uh, guidance. Like we were looking at it. We had the runway. We had everything we needed. And uh, to be honest, it just boiled down to, she's like, I need more of you. Mm. 60 hours at work. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I got to the point where it was just the leftovers right. weren't enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so going through that process and everything, we decided what I actually like doing is working on the business and with the people in it and helping them learn how to be creative and leaders mm-hmm. as opposed to um, rotting. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> with that, um, as we just talked about, it was like, let's give it a go. Mm-hmm. We set a runway and we said, let's give it a try. And um I don't say it accidentally worked because I worked my tail You're off. Right. <laughs> but looking back, like what I know now, I'm like, it only worked because I was ignorant yes, in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like parenting in some ways. Uh, <laughs> exactly. That first kid's the practice kid, right? Yeah, the first pancake. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, well, good, good for her and good for you. Uh, my husband was the same when we were going out, when I was going out on my own. It was right. like, yeah, we're, we're fine for this amount of time. I believe in you. This is the right thing to do. Let's do this. So, Did you have that moment where it's like, I believe in you, and you go, Really? Why? Like, like, that's nice. Uh, I don't know. I just kind of felt like it was that moment where I was kind of like, have I been fake? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. I wasn't enough for me. But the fact that she was confident in me, uh, definitely. um, I don't know. I I kind of was able to stand on her confidence in me for a little bit. Kind of borrow from that. I love that. It's a good partnership. Uh, I was... Actually, I thought to myself, um, I said it at the before before we started recording that I wish I'd had your book about six years ago. Uh, and actually, I saw uh, one of your LinkedIn posts the other day was a, a template resignation letter. And I really yeah. could have used it six years ago. <laughs> Which one? What, was it the real one or the 
quit like a pirate. Oh, no, the real one. <laughs> the real one. Yeah. The real one, it's it's real. Um yeah. because like I said, I had uh when I was looking at the book, it was when I or sorry, when I was just having conversations with people that were in the creative space, I had in the course of about three months, I had two hundred either coffee conversations or Zoom calls with people that were just they really just felt stuck or trapped or whatever. Mm-hmm. And through those conversations, I was kind of like, like, you know that you can quit, yeah. right? Like you have permission to quit. And somebody actually told me, I said, I wouldn't even know how. Yeah. And I'm like, here's a mad lib fill in the blank yeah. resignation letter. That's the first step. Like, yeah. I'm not telling them to quit, mm-hmm. but it's like, you know, um, it, the thing for me was there was a day when I realized I was completely exhausted. I got home. And I was worn out, just completely drained. I had enough to get the kids into bed. Mm -hmm. And then I crashed. And I didn't have anything left to look for a job. I knew it was horrible. Mm -hmm. But like, there's not even enough left of me to find something good, to find something better. Like, I was just barely had enough to survive. Mm. And looking back, you go, that's garbage. Like, I know better than that. But when you're in survival mode, it's Mm -hmm. just keep going. So like that conversation, I wouldn't even know how to. I wouldn't even know how to quit. And I'm like, yeah, that just to me was like outside of you. Like, I remember living it, but afterwards, I'm, you know, it's like, that's not to be mean, but you know, in my mind now I'm going, that's it talking to me. That's the dumbest reason to stay. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Well, you're just like stuck in this toxic goo inertia and it, it just feels so fraught. And, you know, you're likely like, me I have had your confidence kind of quickly or slowly eked out of you and yeah it's like how would I even begin just to have this conversation but yeah if I'd had something like that I probably would have removed myself rather than needing to be removed from that situation so I'm Mm -hmm. I'm glad you're putting this out there um but I want to I have to ask you the the million dollar question are you are you an impatient entrepreneur I am impatient and I am an entrepreneur. <laughs> and before listening to their ep- other episodes, I couldn't fathom the idea that somebody would not be yeah. an impatient entrepreneur. Because in my mind, the only reason you are an entrepreneur, it's it's like there's a problem. There's something that you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of that idea of like, you know, uh, hold my beer and watch this. Yeah. <laughs> like, I bet it's going to work. I'm going to strap myself to a bomb and I hope I make it to outer space. Like, that's the mindset of an entrepreneur. Yes. And somebody goes, I'm not impatient. And I'm like... So for like seven months, you're taping yourself to the bomb, like just (laughs) move slow. I just couldn't comprehend it. But after listening, Mm -hmm. you know, to some of the other episodes, I'm like, okay, it takes all of us. Yeah. And I know that I depend on people that are wired that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I do think that the way that I operate and the way that a lot of entrepreneurs operate are um, a lot of experiments and running and just, Mm -hmm. you know, we're just lighting a lot of fires. Yeah. Some of them burn out on their own. Some of them we just run away from. Mm -hmm. Um, There's just (laughs) constant crazy stuff going on. And then the other one um, is like, honestly, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, we end up entrepreneurs because we're not employable. (laughs) Like the fact is we can't stay contained. You know, it's like, here are the 37 rules. And I'm like, "Uh, I got three rules. One, feed my kids. Mm -hmm. Two, have fun. And three, lighten their load. Yeah. Which means like, make it, make my customers, make their Mm -hmm. client's life better, you know, on the other end. any more than that, like, yeah, no, thank I mean, you. I have to pay somebody to do like taxes and all that because I'm like, yeah, those are rules that I can't. Like, I will go to jail if I'm in charge of following those rules. Mm-hmm. Somebody else has to do that. Yeah, I was telling somebody the other day, I was like, I'm not a repetitive process girly. Like, I, mm-hmm. I will make it up this a different way every single yeah. time. <laughs> For sure. It's that, that adventure mindset. It's a so I found that I have a pattern. I will do it once to prove that I can. Yeah. So my wife would be like, there's no way we're going to have these dishes done before we leave. Yeah. <laughs> hold, hold like, my beer. <laughs> she plays me hard. Yeah. I'm like, bring it. Um, so, But I will do anything once to prove that I can, it seems. Mm-hmm. And then a second time, it's going to be streamlined and it's mm-hmm. going to be documented. Yep. Because by the third time, it's delegated, automated, or gone. Yep. Um, I just know that if you expect me to do the same thing three, four, five times, you're going to get garbage. Yeah. It's not going to be efficient. And I'm the fun part's done, which means my energy's gone. Yeah. And it's like, if I don't, um, if I don't bring energy, if I don't show up as me, like my superpower, mm-hmm. I'm showing up as somebody else and you're going to get, like I said, that garbage work. Yeah. Um, not, not really garbage, but it's, yeah. it's not something I'm proud lifeless. of and I'm going to be drained. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm going to be drained at the end of it. Cause I'm working out of, uh, 
honestly frustration. Mm-hmm. So hilarious. Uh, we are birds of of a feather for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah so uh is there anything that you're really enjoying reading or listening to right now that's kind of fueling you up and and helps keep your entrepreneurial spark going yeah so this is really interesting i'm i'm highly dyslexic and adhd Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. with that blend i force myself to read a lot because my wife taught me to love reading um so she's a saint by the way She's ama- like she puts up with this like she makes this grown up um so um, I'm always reading. Um, I just finished uh, for a second time. It's a storyteller by Dave Grohl from okay. Foo Fighters. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Um, it is. He is a phenomenal storyteller. Really? Okay. It is really, really great. Um, to me, like I've talked to a couple of people about it. To me, it's kind of depressing mm. because um, the it, when I read through it, it's really great. The story, his story, the way that he approaches like serving people in the audience, like it's a really neat memoir collection mm-hmm. of stories. And like I said, he's a great storyteller. But for me, it's kind of like um, I get this sense that when the lights go off and when he's in, when he go, he walks back backstage, mm-hmm. he's empty again. Um, and it's just this really interesting um, kind of dichotomy, like uh, reading through that. Um, but as far as being a storyteller, he is phenomenal, hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, he he kind of comes across as this like little really nerdy homeschool guy that doesn't really have any <laughs> friends, and you're like. You're Dave Grohl. Yeah, like, like one of the most iconic rock and roll legends of our time. I don't think you get to play that card, but it's just really interesting. Yeah. He talks about being like, you know, the dorky dad at his <laughs> daddy-daughter dance and all this kind of stuff. It's, it's funny. Um, so I read, um, just finished reading that one. Um, and then we are, we stage our kids like Stagram okay. uh, going through Harry Potter. Uh-huh. So what happens is when they hit their birthday, they move up to the next book. Okay. So we have kids at different mm-hmm. levels going through the Harry Potter stuff. Okay. So that's really fun because um, I think the, for instance, if you're familiar, mm-hmm. if you're listening to like you watch Harry Potter, sure. number one, you should find the um, the the official audiobook okay. of Harry Potter. Uh-huh. This guy is insane. Like he wins awards for all of his different oh, characters cool. and all those kinds of. Mm-hmm. It is amazing. It comes to life. Um. So we like to listen to that okay. as well. Sometimes we read out loud to the kids, mm-hmm. but um, it's really fun to watch somebody else experience it for mm-hmm. the first time. Mm-hmm. And then they have all these questions and stuff. And, uh, you know, Donald Miller talks about the story loop. Yeah. It is so fun to watch them agonize at the end of a chapter. <laughs> it's like time to go to bed. Yeah. And they're like, but what happens? Yes. And I don't have that anxiety because I know what happens. <laughs> I can just watch them like yeah. the frustration eating at them. <laughs> That's so fun. And then, you know, the next day, just that uh, they run back into that excitement. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, if you have that story loop, like this is like a great parenting hack right yeah. here. Find something with huge cliffhangers mm-hmm. and your kid has to have all of their housework, their bed made, they finish everything, they get ready for bed. Like kids will get ready for bed two hours early <laughs> if they have this going forward. It is amazing. <laughs> I, I actually have employed the open story loop to get my early reader into independent reading because nice. I, we were reading a story together, uh, the Humphrey series, which is so cute, okay. uh, Humphrey the Hamster. And um I was like, you know, just one chapter a night. We gotta go to bed, and I finished the chapter, and it was, uh, it was like, oh my god, what's about to happen? And she was just desperate to know. And I said, well, you can stay up and read it by yourself if you want to. I'll let you read read alone. She's like, okay. <laughs> and so, well played. Yeah. And then I, when I saw the next morning, first thing she did when she woke up, she's just sitting there reading again. I was like. Yes, I did it. <laughs> I didn't know if the day was going to come. <laughs> you, you do have to find the, you know, an art, like a book that connects yeah. that that message, that story, because there are some authors that, you know, that are just great. And then there's some authors that connect with certain people. Yeah. Um, because yep. for me, it took a lot. Yeah. Like it, it really was in college sure. reading Harry Potter going, wait, there's something worth, it's worth yes. turning the pages. It's worth this hard work of making mm-hmm. sense of the words sure. of, you know, working through it. So yeah, that double whammy too. Good for you. Oh. <laughs> um, so that's what you're enjoying right now. All right. What, uh, so you've just created this huge thing. I mean, creating a book, kudos to you. Congratulations. It's such a, a huge deal. Um, uh, are you creating something else? Is there a, a sequel or a part two? Or, or do you want to talk about what you have oh, just man. created? <laughs> There's always stuff creating. Um, I say I come from a tribe of makers. Mm-hmm. We are constantly making and reorganizing and re- redoing things, rethinking our thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's always stuff I've got. Um, I'm working with my 13 year old. We're creating a uh, fiction story, kind of a, a, a novel. 
um, that might grow into more, but it's just a fun story that we go back and forth. We pass notes back and forth and then organize it and it's moving forward. That's fun. Um, it's really up his alley and it's been fun to do. Cool. Um, and then I have another book. I actually started a book about communication first mm-hmm. and I started interviewing people that were in the creative world specifically about creative briefs and handing off projects because, mm-hmm. uh, meetings and delegation are, uh, really, they're just two horrible realms in a lot of businesses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, especially in like, whether it be an agency or creative or a service base, because what's happening is you're getting the client is paying you money and delegating a problem to you. Yeah. And then they meddle. Like a lot of times they meddle and they want to play in there and they mess stuff up. And then we just hand it down to other people or offset it. And it's like, by the time you get it, like clients are the worst delegators. You get it and it's like, well, I'll like it when I see it. Or my my cousin likes purple. And I'm like, who cares? You know, it's like, or, or they come up with all these ideas that are really just them trying to play in the sandbox. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we used to say, um, peeing in the sandbox isn't playing in the sandbox. <laughs> like internally, we're like, you need to go get the client out of here. Um, so the idea was, uh, I was having those conversations and more and more it came up that it was this really, there's, um, you know, misaligned expectations between mm-hmm. the client and the person working. Mm-hmm. But then more and more conversations actually start coming about it's not just the delegation with the clients and communication. There's communication internally. Um, but it was just like the boss sucks. Mm-hmm. I can't take my boss. Um, and having those conversations and realizing that most people expect a boss to lead them, to grow them, to mm-hmm. take them somewhere, to advance them. Mm-hmm. Most bosses don't do that. Yeah. Um, they're, they're not leaders, they're bosses. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, neither one's right or wrong mm-hmm. as long as both people sign up for the same thing. Right. Right. And what I found out is most people didn't. And it seemed that there was this, this big, massive hole mm-hmm. of people that wanted to be mentored or grown. Mm-hmm. So I just said, you know, here's my experience. I started having these conversations. Here's my experience. Nobody was investing in me. Mm-hmm. And I accidentally just got fed up and started finding other places, resources, started growing myself. Mm-hmm. I started just leading myself. And then as I started growing and developing and moving, other people just kind of fell in following that. Yeah. And then I was able to invest in them with some simple things. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's really where the conversation started going. And then over and over and over in all these conversations. So I literally just started recording some of the, com- with permission, mm-hmm. recording the conversations. And these are the stories I'm telling over and over again. These are the tools I'm recommending over mm-hmm. and over again. And then it was like, okay, yeah. pull that into, pull that together in the book. Um, <laughs> but that's, that's the idea of how this book actually happened. But mm-hmm. the, I am... Uh, really looking forward to getting back to the communication book because mm-hmm. um, it was where I started. It's how, you know, we built some agencies and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea is um, if they don't understand what you meant them meant for them to understand, mm-hmm. then communication failed. Yeah. You have absolutely no power to determine if communicate, if you are a good communicator, mm-hmm. like other people vote, you have no vote. Yeah. Like that's how it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can influence it. You can do all of the work. And the idea, um, actually, kind of off top, but it comes from a story when my wife and I were married. She was running marathons because mm-hmm. um, she's superwoman. We've already yeah. covered this. Um, <laughs> Saint, so she was, superwoman. <laughs> yeah. So she was a uh, marathon runner, and she came home from a long run on a uh, like on a Saturday, and she came in the front door, and I was like, I don't know, drawing or something in the living room, you know, real helpful. Um, <laughs> she walks in, and I said do you want to make cookies tonight? And she said, oh, cookies sound good. And then she went to take shower, clean up and everything. I went in the kitchen. I got all the ingredients out on the counter and went back to what I was doing. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and she came out. And here's the thing. My words were, do you want to make yeah. cookies tonight? And she came out and she was mad because she said, I came out expecting cookies and you made a mess in my kitchen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, <laughs> you didn't listen to my words. But I started blaming her. But the, it, the more I started thinking about it is um, that's, really communication like mm-hmm. did you provide for them did you do it as a service to so that they could understand and move forward was right. it for them or was it just because you wanted to talk like 
Um, did you just fly in, take a dump on their desk and fly out? Or did you actually give them something useful, right? I'm using a lot of like bathroom analogies. I guess I got the book. Um, Catalogical so, uh, metaphors. So, so anyway, that's a, that's the project that I'm leaning into right now. Okay. And it's called You Gotta Bake the Cookies, The oh. End of Half-Baked Communication. So, so I that's, love that. Oh, that was like such a triggering uh, anecdote. <laughs> it's, oh, man, it was just one of those things that I was just like... it was. It was like one of the, I don't want to say fight, but it was one of the biggest like disagreement moments, like one of the biggest fractures in our marriage. And it's like, I got all the stuff out. <laughs> you assigned me a task against well, my consent. Yeah. <laughs> and, and since then, uh, one of my one of my good friends, he's told me, uh, John Rodderman, he he says, um, uh, what is it? it has to help to be helpful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like you don't get credit for being helpful unless it helps. Yes. And I was like. I really don't like you right now. Like we're done with this conversation. <laughs> I, I I feel like I tell my kids all the time: if you're not helping, you're hurting. <laughs> yeah, it's like you are just in the way. Let's get yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Uh, so, um, who who should pick other than everybody? Who should pick up leadership? Okay, so honestly, I'm finding that the there. Are two audiences that are really resonating with it. And then there's a third one that's starting to pick up okay. now, which is really interesting. Um, but the the first one that I wanted it for was people that were struggling in a current job. Mm -hmm. And that's not actually who's buying it typically. Okay. I would love for them to, mm -hmm. but it's people are buying it for someone that they love or that they yeah. know that's struggling. Mm -hmm. So it has become this like gift book mm -hmm. where somebody buys it and says, you know, hey, read this yeah. like to their brother, to a spouse, to somebody. <laughs> so that's been really interesting mm -hmm. to hear those stories. Um, the other one that is... That is the one that kind of gets my heart. That's that's what the book is for. Mm -hmm. The next one um, is the one that's a lot of fun. And this is people like you, like, man, I wish I had this six years yeah. ago. And then they read the stories and it's like, it's my painful. Like there are memoirs. Mm -hmm. There's a memoir arc in there. Okay. And it's really painful. But even for me, like looking back at it, it's like watching a sitcom. <laughs> you're like, yeah. no way. Like this is like, it's right at that border where you're like, it's believable and it's not. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. Most people probably wouldn't believe this unless you've lived it. Then you're like, yes, like I know exactly what expression is on his face right now. <laughs> um, so that's been really fun to talk to people that are um, somewhere in that healing journey. Mm -hmm. And especially people that are healing and are now deciding that they want to advance their career. Mm -hmm. Like they were in a bad place. Then they moved over here to heal. Mm -hmm. And now they're like, okay, now I'm ready to grow myself. Like I'm worked on that. I'm healed. Now I'm ready to grow myself and invest in other people. Mm. So that next step up. And then mm. that's the third one that I didn't really expect mm -hmm. is early managers or even what I would consider immature managers. Mm -hmm. um, for instance, you've probably seen this with writers and designers, like especially in the advertising marketing world. It's like, hey, you're our best artist or you're our best writer. You should come over here and be our creative yes. director, which is <laughs> yeah. completely geared at yeah. leading people mm -hmm. no longer writing on a page. Right. Okay, that sounds great. Now we have two people that are not qualified for their job. Yeah. Great. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of that, like art directors or even like uh, people that are managers and other, um, you know, in other fields that I'm hearing back from mm -hmm. that um, they basically got promoted because they were the first person in line. Mm -hmm. There, somebody turned around. And they're like, mm, "Yeah, you're you're promoted. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's easier for me to pick you than to look for a, mm -hmm. a qualified candidate. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. Now you're my problem. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, that I mean, we've seen that in pretty much all industries have that, yeah. but a lot of times creatives, because we're just moving in or mm -hmm. entrepreneurs, we're just moving fast. Right. And it's easy to just tag somebody else and say, delegate all of the problems. I don't have time to tell you what they are yet. Yeah. Now they're yours. Yeah. Good luck growing <laughs> and figuring out and fixing it before I come back. <laughs> um, so oh <laughs> that's kind of, um, I've seen that too many is times. Therapy? <laughs> <laughs> that's, it's definitely, so there are leaders that are getting this book and um, are starting to either look at their career or um, one agency owner that I know, he actually bought it for his people. Mm -hmm. I was like, dude, how is that for a power play? Yeah. Like he bought it and said, hey, read this because I want to be better mm -hmm. and I want you guys to hold me accountable. So he has somebody on his staff that is the operations. Mm -hmm. like he's the owner and there's an operations, mm -hmm. like a, the agency manager. And they're reading the book and reporting to her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then she's the only person on staff that he is accountable to. Yeah. In any way, I mean, it's kind of yeah. hard. I mean, if he just said, I'm done with you, go away. I mean, it's Texas. You can do that. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but um, 
the idea is that is the person that he trusts and he is accountable for. Mm-hmm. So they can when that take all that information. Um, so I just thought that was really interesting because mm-hmm. he realized that he was bossing people. Mm. And he said, um, one of his comments was, he said, um, I'm treating them like AI robots. Oh. Like I don't let them make decisions. They're just processing information, spitting it out. They're, they're giving me output mm-hmm. so I can get all the credit. Mm-hmm. And he was wanting to change how his agency's wired. Wow. And I was like, like, that's a like, to me i'm like okay if somebody's willing to say that like i want to go work for them like right that's the kind of person that you want to follow as opposed to just survive and get a check and maybe insurance who knows? Uh, right well i mean good for him for acknowledging that and yeah. taking you know well, coming to that on his own or with the guidance yeah. of a book <laughs> it, it got to the point where um honestly he had he had built the agency he had built his business mm-hmm. and then he was carrying the business and he felt like he was carrying all of the employees as well and pulling them uphill as he was moving. And he finally just got to the point where he was like, I think I'm just going to like, can I sell it? Can I get out? What can I do? Mm-hmm. And then he was like, or I could just decide this all isn't my job. Yeah. But, I mean, he got to a breaking point. And when he would turn, honestly, he turned around to blame like we would, man, I can't take this job anymore. And we want to blame that boss for not developing us or helping us. And there was no boss. <laughs> like he was employing himself and it was like, oh, sometimes <laughs> the worst boss is me. Oh, Yes. Yes. I know. Like I said, when I started out, you talked about that impatient mm-hmm. and I was just driving and doing everything. Um, there was a point that I stopped and I said, I am the worst boss I've ever had. Yeah. Like I am abusing myself. Mm-hmm. Like I had to realize that and then make some pretty big changes. Mm-hmm. Um, but looking back, I'm like, but it was, it's obvious. Yeah. Like it doesn't hurt. But when you're in that moment, you're like, you know, I can't let go of this possibility that it might turn into a right. contract later on. And you're like, yeah. Or I could take that time and just fulfill two other smaller contracts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, settle down, ego. <laughs> Not helping anybody right now. <laughs> uh, oh, my goodness. Uh, I really, I really, that first group really resonates with me. Again, wish I had the six years ago because when I left a, a, a not great situation, so many of my friends came to me and were like, I'm so glad you're done with that. You really weren't yourself anymore. And I'm like, why didn't you tell me the story? This time? Right? <laughs> Where were you? Well, that's what I started wondering. I'm like, was I not listening to you or were you too much of a coward to tell me? Like, are we friends? Yeah. What's no. <laughs> you know, I guess it's kind of like you're like in a bad relationship. It's like, oh, I have to be careful about that's how exactly I mention this, that, you know, and I, I get that. Yeah. But also I thought I didn't, I didn't realize how much it had really broken me down. So right. I, that's what I used to tell people. I didn't realize how little of me was left. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, um, so there's a chapter at the end of the book. Um, I call it, uh, um, uh, oh. <laughs> hold please. It is the, it's kind of, <laughs> it's the conclusion. It's called community coworkers and cellmates. Mm. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's the idea of like, you know, we're all a family. Mm. And I'm like, are we? Of cellmates? Yeah. Like, is it? Like there's, there's, those are three different levels of how the relationship exists. Mm-hmm. And the idea of cellmates was a lot of times you leave work, like that horrible situation you were in, mm-hmm. you probably didn't engage in those relationships much. Cause it's kind of like, if you get out of prison, you don't want to talk to the people in prison. You don't yeah. want to engage that. Like it's kind of a bad part of your past that you don't want to re-engage. Mm. Um, but I found out that there was this really interesting pattern where it was like at three months, like it's you're in detox. Mm-hmm. That first three months was hard. And yeah. the people who left the company before me and after, and we've, mm-hmm. I've now reconnected with a bunch of people mm-hmm. through this time. And it's like that first three months is detox. It is hard. You're yeah. just getting all the junk out of your system and refinding yourself. Mm-hmm. And then from months, you know, three to six, like it's looking better. Like things, you know, there's some hope and there's happiness. I talk about um, one of the guys, Huck is kind of like the secondary character. He's like the best friend through the book and everything. Yeah. Um, and we just, found ways to survive together. I mean, pranks, jokes, um, ridiculous stuff. Um, completely disrespectful at times. <laughs> most, of, most of the time. But we were we were tasked with hitting a goal, not being kind along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea of that at the end of that six months, you start looking better. But then at nine months, mm-hmm. it was like, I mean, I remember um, I went to lunch with the guy that's Huck. Mm-hmm. I changed all names, by the sure, way. Sure, sure. So we go to lunch. <laughs> and uh, when I, uh, I hopped in his truck, and it was just like... Um, I remember he made a comment and I was just like, he said, uh, what was it? Um, I said, Hey, how are things going? He's like, you know, I'm the new guy, but I'm not pissing in the wind anymore. <laughs> and when he said it, I was like, Huck's back. Yeah. You know, like he, he's back. He's mm-hmm, him. Mm-hmm. Like he's whole again. Yeah. And I saw that with him. I saw that with me. Like 
it, it takes time, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, my wife actually pointed out that nine months, like that's like a natural human rebirth. Yes. <laughs> like yeah. it takes that long. Mm-hmm. And we just, at the end of that, I'm not going to say you're completely healed, mm-hmm. but um, it is, it's not easy. It's, I mm-hmm. expected to be done there. And then like, okay, I'll take a week and yeah. organize my stuff mm-hmm. and then life will be good again. And it, it, you know, it did take some work because yeah. I had a lot of garbage um, just stuck to me, yeah. I guess. Absolutely. Absolutely. Same, same. And it really, it wasn't, I've only started sharing publicly about my experience in the last year or so. And it was, it was six years ago. It just really had so much shame attached to it. And um, it's like, wait, hold on. (laughs) Wait. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, It's like, Mm -hmm. how is this my fault? Yeah. Like, hold on a second. Mm -hmm. Wait a minute. Like Mm -hmm. we failed by the outward appearance. Yeah. And that's probably, man. Wow. Thanks for that free therapy. Um, looking back, you're like, that's part of the anchor that tethered me mm-hmm. in there was that um, I'm growing a thing. You know, it looks good to some people on the outside. I'm proving something. Mm-hmm. Um, back to that, like, I'll do anything once. I'll prove yeah. just to prove I can do it. Mm-hmm. Looking back, I'm like, that was a fire that just needed to burn itself out. Yeah. I needed to move on and do something else. Yeah. And I stayed fighting that fire for, you know, too long. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, and then I justified it in my mind, oh, there are all these other people that I'm protecting and I'm helping yeah. them grow, which it was. That is what I was aligned to is helping people. Sure. But um, yeah, no. <laughs> Looking back, I'm like, ah, man, like I knew what it was going to be mm-hmm. probably nine months in, but I stayed for years. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And you go, mm-hmm. well, live and learn. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, again, we just kind of get sucked in and they're like, I don't know how to leave. I don't know. For sure. uh, where's the exit <laughs> window? <laughs> uh, is there anything you're impatient about right now? Right now? Mm-hmm. I'm impatient about everything. <laughs> um, I'm, I mean, <laughs> like there's like a long list one in my mind. I'm like, man, I'm impatient. I want, you know, with my kids, with, my, with yeah. work, with everything. Yeah. Um, but honestly, um, I'm about to, like, I got the book off my plate. Mm-hmm. I got this book, like, not off my plate, but it's it's done. It's it's freed up that time. Right. I get to focus my creativity somewhere else. And one of the really interesting things is as I wrote the book, um, I've now, my email list and stuff like that, like, I've got a different audience mm-hmm. that isn't who I've typically been talking to. Mm-hmm. So now I'm separating that and reengaging them. So I have kind of, like, two conversations mm-hmm. going on at once, which some people say is bad, whatever. It's so. not focused. Yeah. But I have ADHD, so it's actually, like, I'm talking <laughs> yeah. over here, and then it's fun yeah. to hop over here. and then Don't contain me, bro. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, um, I'm looking forward to seeing where that relationship and where those mm-hmm. go. Um, That's cool. And seeing, um, I'm really not sure how to say this, but it's, like, um, I'm having some really great conversations. People are emailing me. Mm-hmm. I've had I had three lunches last week with people that read the book mm-hmm. and just wanted to meet me. Yeah, um, cool. two of them I didn't have a clue who they were. Okay, I was like, I'm meeting some stranger at McAllister's. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Don't kill me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at least it's at least it's in public. Yeah. Um, so I've been able to do that, and that's been interesting and in seeing how that goes. But at the same time, back to the impatience, I'm like. I want to know how it goes. Re- like, reveal I wanna, yourself I wanna, to me. <laughs> yes, like all you people, like, let's talk about this. And like, are we going to hand off the book? And when I get, you know, reviews or people just send me mm-hmm. messages. So it's kind of weird because a lot of people are afraid to leave reviews oh. or put comments in LinkedIn, mm-hmm. which I've been careful in telling people because, you know, you don't want to be like, man, this book's great because I hate my boss yeah. on LinkedIn. Like <laughs> yeah. that may not go oh, well. Tell me more about um, this. <laughs> yeah. The boss is like, hey, you haven't commented on anything in two years in this. Um, so that's been a little bit interesting. But as I'm having these conversations, I just want to see where this is going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I've gotten some speaking engagements and stuff, getting to talk about some mm-hmm. of the tools like the delegation tool I have in there and some of the games that I came up with to help people get through. Um, and it's, I just can't wait to see what it grows into. Right. That makes sense. That's probably the thing I'm most impatient is I'm like, uh, it's like Easter. And I'm like, (laughs) when's Christmas going to be here? Well, it's your own little cliffhanger. It's like, but but you have to live it to get to the resolution. You know, the the story lip is open. You don't know, you don't know how this is going to evolve for yourself. And I'm excited for you. That's fun. You're on this precipice of this new journey in life. Oh, it is so painful. (laughs) (laughs) I want to choke it and control it (laughs) and know how it goes. I I don't want to control it. I just want to move fast. Like, that's my thing. Like, I I learn, I experience, I process Mm -hmm. in motion. I move quickly. Mm -hmm. And the idea of 
I put this book out there and we'll see how it trickles and it gets to people. And when they respond, it's like, I just handed somebody the keys of how this is going to move forward. And it's like, well, I guess we wait now. Like, um, <laughs> which is the worst. That's hard. <laughs> yeah. It's like, which is probably why it's good that I have two things going yeah. at once because I can work over here mm-hmm. and not just be, uh, um, you know, the, there's the, the, uh, gif of like SpongeBob sitting there staring at the, like yeah. the coffee cup. Uh huh. Uh huh. That's basically how I feel a lot of times. I'm like, well, I can go over here and work and come back to this and check in on it. I just, so I distract myself with other work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the ultimate distraction, other yeah. work. Uh, I just flashed on that. Like, oh, I think it's like a 90s commercial for Mervyn's. The woman's at the outside the door going, open, 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 open. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So switching gears a little bit. Um, this I'm sure would be a great answer. What's something that's in business where at the time you felt like this is the worst thing that could ever happen to me, but ultimately it really just put you on your path or you realized it was the best thing that could have happened. Um, quick clarifying. Yeah. Since I've been on my own or when I was working inside an agency, you choose. Okay. Yeah. So there is a, um, chapter in the book called Mm -hmm. my beef. Okay. And it's actually the point where we're sitting at a meeting. We just met the contact and the owner of the agency. Um, so, so the, the contact, the prospect says, you know, Hey, this is my favorite movie. It's a weird, horrible movie. I've gone back to watch it. And I'm like, nobody in the world with a heart that's not a psychopath should really enjoy this movie. It's, it's just strange and it's not really well done. Um, it's like not even good enough for Hallmark. Like it's yeah. kind of that way. You're like, wow, that's really rough. Why? Um, yeah. So she mentions it and the, the boss goes, well, you know, Jake's son has autism. Okay. And like just throws it out there to the stranger, right? And I'm just sitting there and I'm just kind of almost in panic mode. And it takes me 10 minutes to remember I don't have a kid with autism. Oh. Like, what is happening here? And I just realized like in that moment that the the boss will like sell, lie, cheat, do anything mm-hmm. to be liked in the moment and to make a connection. That sounds dangerous. That basically, I'm a pawn. All of us are in our pawns or uh, we were viewed as uh, a fan club mm. and we could be traded, sold, whatever mm. for that moment. Wow. And at that, so uh, we're at this, you know, we're out of town. Yeah. So huh. we get done there, go back to the hotel and I am, you know, just fuming. Mm. And it uh, that's a moment that really, that, that was when everything broke. Mm-hmm. And um, I had to like gather myself to call my wife mm-hmm. and I was like so angry. I was like crying and stuff. And I had, uh, um, things lincoln park burn it to the ground like i like playing in the background just like angry we're gonna burn this thing down music um and then i got on linkedin and just started reaching out to people and uh i had i had four interviews like i had interviews lined up and just started connecting with people that had worked for me or had benefited from me mm-hmm. and like you said earlier there are people that were just like um man you're still there or we've been waiting for you to reach out to us mm-hmm. and it was just this very strange like people were ready with life rafts and buoys and they were, yeah. they were ready for me, but I had to activate. Mm-hmm. Like I had to let them know I was ready to leave. Right. So after talking to them, what I ended up doing was taking on contracts with multiples mm-hmm. instead of going in one place. Mm-hmm. Like I took on a couple contracts and stuff. And then I found out about, you know, business made simple in mm-hmm. the coaching program, which was the idea of like, um, you can help train and help people do stuff without actually being dependent on to execute every little minute thing you make them better at what they do mm-hmm. so you're not needed anymore it's yeah. kind of the idea like you, you grow them to the point where they're excelling and then they learn to grow themselves and move on mm-hmm. um and that's i was like that's what i do i make creators i make people i don't like i, I help them mm-hmm. progress but i don't want to be looking at revisions or logos or copy or i don't want to look at that stuff anymore. right yeah. uh, um, no, thank you <laughs> yeah, it's like oh yeah i accidentally got into this career yeah um so um, that moment really mm-hmm. broke everything. Wow. Um, it, it wasn't just like the surface pain. I mean, it went just mm-hmm. super deep and it broke and it was just like, um, I'm done. Mm, yeah. <laughs> like, no questions. So it's like the veil has been ripped away and you finally see everything clearly. And you're like, what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and looking back, it was like, you look back and you're like, I mean, it was just mm-hmm. I, to me, like in that moment, it's like, I looked back and it was just like, death yeah. like it looked like texas summer everything is dried <laughs> yeah. up and brown and yes there's no way it's coming back in it's spring like, that's what I thought. Like. 
Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's amazing where it's just the, those moments of clarity yep. are, are so powerful. So thank thank you for sharing that. Um, is there is there anything about you growing up where you you were sort of told this is this is a weakness, uh, but really now that oh. you're you're here today, you're like, oh no, that's my superpower. <laughs> yeah. So again, that we'll go back to uh to him. Um so I'm dyslexic, but I didn't know that until my senior year of high school. Really? Wow. And I'm ADHD, which I didn't know that until I was like 30. Wow. Like I didn't get diagnosed with it. I just knew that I didn't fit and I was annoying other people. So in like second grade, I still remember, um, I won't say the teacher's name, but I remember the teacher's <laughs> name. Um, we had reading groups mm -hmm. and there were the Eagles and the Blue Jays and, you know, the Cardinals, mm -hmm. like all these beautiful birds and everything. And then there was me and this other kid and we were crows. <laughs> And I, I'm not even blackbirds. Like as a little kid, you go, I'll be a crow. <laughs> Crows are but, annoying. <laughs> and it was my fault. I mean, I, so my dad was in the military, so it was like a, a school on the base. Mm. So it wasn't probably the best education. It was like mm. some other military guy's wife, was yeah. the teacher. Um, so it wasn't too great, but I struggled to learn how to read. And instead of, and being hyperactive, they didn't, um, I was not set up to learn necessarily. Mm -hmm. I was excluded. So I didn't distract and slow down the rest of them, which is a blessing and a curse. Mm -hmm. Horrible for what it was. Yeah. But at the same time, I learned how to learn my way. Right. I learned how to learn. So the fact that I figured out that, um, like I graduated high school with like a third grade reading level about, wow. um, but I graduated college with a collegiate reading level. Because wow. once I figured out what I needed to learn, I was able to do it. Mm -hmm. And my wife helped me out a lot, taught me tricks and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Found out, hey, I'm dyslexic and I have Erlen syndrome. Mm -hmm. There's these plastic sheets that can help with it. All of a sudden, it's kind of like, oh, this? like I remember one time we were reading, I had the plastic sheets, I'd been doing my exercise and everything. We sat down and we were reading the second Harry Potter book. And I looked down and I go, is it this easy for everybody? Oh. And my wife just started laughing. I'm like, there's no way. Like, I have been working so hard. So with that, God. and then the um, you take that, just that forced me to learn to learn. Because mm -hmm. I, I didn't do it the prescribed way. Sure. I had to learn to learn. And then um, the ADHD, uh, my mom always called it hyper-creative. Mm. And I was like 30. And I called her. I was like, hey, mom, I'm, I have ADHD. And she was like, yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> did you want to tell me that? <laughs> How did everybody know this except me? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I got diagnosed and we started working on that. But it was one of those things that um, it wasn't necessarily a label that was given to me. Mm -hmm. My mom had just set up structures and systems that mm -hmm. helped me progress and do the things I needed to do. Mm -hmm. um, so I learned how to learn and I learned how important structure was right. because the idea the way I like to think of it, I am very creative off the wall. I mean, you probably know I talk fast. My brain just, um, it's like a carnival in there. Oh, I love um, it <laughs> The idea of if there's a structure, I actually thought of this a couple months ago, watching my kids play in the backyard. Mm -hmm. They built this platform out of old pallets and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And they were jumping off of it. Mm -hmm. Well, it was like rickety mm -hmm. and they, they weren't going very far. Like they were basically falling off. They're yeah. going like two, three feet, right? Yeah. So then... They asked me for help. We went out there and we shored it up. We hammered it. Mm -hmm. We braced it, you know, actually put real screws in it and mm -hmm. stuff. Um, and then when they were able to climb up on there, that structure that they could depend on, mm -hmm. they were just launching themselves as far as they could across <laughs> the backyard and stuff like to the point where I'm like, don't tell mama we're doing this. Um, <laughs> but it was like, this later. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, let's get a rope and see if we can go further. I mean, like we were having so much fun. Um, but the idea of they trusted the stability that was under them. Mm -hmm. So then they could do wild, risky, creative things. Right. The whole point of being creative is to risk change. Mm -hmm. And if you can depend on that stability, if you know that you can depend on that, then you can jump real far because you know how to get back home. Mm -hmm. You know how to get back. Um, but if you don't trust the stability, then you're jumping as kind of little yeah. bit as possible. Like, <laughs> can I get credit for this and still get back? You know. Like, so those are kind of, I would say, those two things mm -hmm. definitely... Um, excluded me mm -hmm. from normalcy mm -hmm. as a kid but because of that perspective because of what i learned that way um and it's not like um anyway those just um it was like a slingshot mm -hmm. like i was pulled back from everybody else and then once i figured right. out what potential i had and i let go i could just take off wow. and fly and do my thing and it's been a lot of fun mm -hmm. knowing that now mm -hmm. um and I would even, so 
to to like let you know like I was told that I was excluded because I couldn't participate with the other kids and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But then I graduated college with a 4.0. Right. So you go back and you go, I was afraid that I was like just dumb and broken and I couldn't participate. Mm. They just didn't know what to do with me. Right. Right. Like it, it wasn't their fault. They just didn't. I'm weird. But hey, so is success. So let's go with yeah. that. But it's oh. like, I'm weird. I didn't fit their system. Mm-hmm. So they controlled the best they could. Yeah. Well, what a special young boy you were. <laughs> uh, I was hyper creative. That was, that's yeah. what I had. <laughs> but I mean, to be able to, I mean, I'm sure you internalize that and have had to process that over time um, to be able to be where you are now. But to not let that, to not just receive that and be like, okay, you're, you're right. I'm a crow. So I'm just going to sit here and not do the work. I mean, that you persevered and figured your own path. And I mean, it's just a really beautiful story. Well, thanks. Um, you probably give me too much credit to be honest. I was probably daydreaming the whole time. Well, like I, okay. I probably wasn't aware of what was happening. I was kind of like, well, I'll just sit here for my homework. I did get in trouble. A random story in, I think it was fourth grade. Um, they caught me, and that's when they really realized that I, I did I had no idea how to read. Oh gosh! Like I knew how to draw. Mm-hmm. And what happened is, um, every six weeks, you know, they would change the seating assignment. Mm-hmm. Well, my handwriting changed. Um, so my handwriting changed, and I wrote the same story. I still remember the girl's name was Laura Moore. Uh-huh. She had gone to visit her grandma. Well, I wrote the same story that she wrote <laughs> because what I I still remember like having this conversation with my teacher and uh-huh. saying, I said, well. She got stickers, so I drew the same picture as her because I wanted stickers. <laughs> like that was just like, mimicking. That was yeah. the game I was playing uh-huh. in school. It's like, oh, if the goal is to get stickers, I know how to get yeah. stickers. I didn't know the goal was to read. Uh- like, <laughs> so you were you were failed. You were failed a little bit there. <laughs> that, that's the kind of creativity that you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could figure out. Like, you look at that, and you go, "That's not the right path." Yeah. But that is very much a, a child's response to, yeah. well, that's the goal, right? <laughs> like, that's that's how you're um, rewarding the everyone. Reward is yeah, stickers. like, sounds good. I want stickers. Yeah. Uh, Laura, uh, my name is Laura. <laughs> I knew how to put my name yeah. on it, like, put my name at the top. But I yeah. really, and they, they went back and looked and they noticed that my handwriting changed every six months because I changed who I was copying. Wow. So you're a mimic. Do you, so, you mimic, do you, do, you think, uh, do you still kind of mimic? Are you a bit of a chameleon? Um, I can, I'm pretty flexible. I'm an Enneagram seven, mm-hmm. so I'm pretty flexible. I like being with people and I can, mm-hmm. uh, the empathy, like blend mm-hmm. with people. Like I can connect with people pretty easily. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. like my wife is the one that signed to me, you know, like people say, well, what's your walk-up song? Mm-hmm. Like if you were going to walk into a room, what's the mm-hmm. song that would play? My wife, like flat out the first time we ever heard that question, she pointed at me and she was like, Don McLean, everybody loves me, baby. Because <laughs> it's like everybody loves me, baby. What's the matter with you? Like that's totally like how I go at it. It's like, um, yeah. So now I uh, like I used to mimic people on not on purpose growing up, and even today, like I just sort of naturally like meet them with whatever energy they're kind of putting out. Like I just, you know, I probably would have copied someone's handwriting as well. (laughs) You're like, well, that's the fastest way to get stickers. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Looks good. Uh, So um, what's one piece of advice you can give our listeners to do right now to make their companies or their lives or both stronger or better? Okay. Um, the, The one thing the best advice I can give. Um, it's actually what people are quoting out of my book the most. Okay. And as I think both as if you are the person working for the company and if you're the leader, mm-hmm. if you can keep this mindset, mm-hmm. um, and the idea is that um, you're not, you're never going to have success looking for happiness at work, mm-hmm. but you can pack joy and bring it mm-hmm. like a lunch the night before. Mm-hmm. So the idea is if you can bring joy into it because Nobody ever goes, you know, I'm looking forward to all these client calls. You know, I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to a review. I'm looking forward to a quarterly client, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, you might be looking forward to presenting and stuff like that. But the point of work is that it takes something out of you. Mm-hmm. Like you get paid because it takes from you. Going to work to receive happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, just if you can switch them, can you be happy? Can you have fun? Can you do those things? Yes. Mm-hmm. But the reason you do that is because others and yourself like, if people are bringing joy into the workplace, mm-hmm. then you can pull from that. And as a team, if everybody's bringing the joy in, mm-hmm. then there's kind of a pool that you can pull from. And if somebody's down, if they need help, they can lean in. Mm-hmm. That, that's how you share it. 
but going to work for happiness. Um, like I said, I talked to more than 200 people yeah. that thought that didn't realize it. And then it comes to the end. And it's like, yeah, that just, that's the wrong model. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you think like even companies that say we're a family, which I'm kind of against because <laughs> I got burned by that <laughs> yeah. a lot. But the idea of like, even what a family does, well, if mom's sick, dad's cooking yeah. and it's the best you're going to get. Yeah. Like that's what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, like we take relationships, relationships are about, I mean, you can't go into any relationship to take right. only. Right. And we forget that work is really a relationship where somebody's giving you money mm-hmm. because they're <laughs> taking from you. Right. They're, they're buying something out There's of you. Transaction. <laughs> yes. Uh, I love that. Thank you. This has been such a wonderful conversation. I'm so, so glad we're doing Thank this. You. Thank you for coming on today. Uh, will you tell people where they can connect with you online or where they can buy the book, sure. all that good stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the fastest way to find me is to go to leadership.co. Um, hit that website. You'll be able to connect with me anywhere. Um, uh, or if you know, you're a little bit, uh, if you want it to be office safe or home safe or whatever, you can go to leadershit.co, one word. Um, that works well. And I will say, if you do want to get the book, um, I know uh, for me, like at first I was like, I don't want my kids to see this or could you read this at work? You know, you just, mm-hmm. um, I have work safe covers that you can print out like inside the bonuses where it's actually leaders hit. Yeah. And it looks like a really bad 80s, 90s um, <laughs> management book where you can put it on there and nobody's going to question what you're reading. They're just going to be like, oh, why are you reading that? And walk past. So. <laughs> so clever. I love that. Well, thank you again. This has been awesome. Uh, I hope everyone goes and buys, buys your book for themselves or, or to, to give it to somebody who might be struggling a little bit right now. Yeah. Yeah, if you're hearing people whine, this is a good way to be like, here, you should read this. And I promise <laughs> it's funny. There's like 20 uh the opening chapter is uh, called Hallway Assassin. And it's about how we weren't allowed to talk and interact. And we started mm. pretending to kill each other in the hallway, like <laughs> like little kids. Like we were playing yeah. this pretend game, assassinating oh, wow. each other in the hallway. Mm. Um, and every chapter just kind of grows from there. So Fantastic. it's hilarious. Well, congratulations again. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to The Impatient Entrepreneur. Love the podcast? Be sure to share it with a friend or colleague or give us a five-star review on Apple. You can also chat with us on Instagram or Facebook at The Impatient Entrepreneur Pod. Want to star on a future episode? Head over to theimpatiententrepreneurpod.com to inquire. Thank you to the team at Quedar Co. for believing in me and bringing this podcast to life. And thank you to Carson Childers for mixing and editing this episode. Can't wait to see you next time.